Hour four, Lisa, of the WGN Radio Theater. We're here every Saturday night, 10 p.m. till 3 o'clock in the morning. Of course, unless we're preempted by sports. We were only preempted just a little bit today. We were able to get all of our shows in, so that worked out nice. Um, in this hour, we will tune into Dimension X from 1950 with Folded Hands is the name uh, of that episode. And then after that, Nick Carter. Carter, Master Detective from 1949. We're also going to have our segment, Just the Facts. And uh, you have some facts for us. Of course I do. Coming up in just a few minutes. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. We love hearing from you. Um, Just a reminder, folks, we have a classic radio club. That is a uh, club for classic radio lovers. If you are a fan of these radio shows, you might want to consider joining the Classic Radio Club. To learn all about it, go to ClassicRadioClub.com. If you join, you will be sent 10 great quality, digitally remastered classic radio shows each and every month via digital download or on five CDs in a collector case. So go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Yes? Yes, I will go to ClassicRadioClub.com. You're already a member. Oh. You don't even have to go there. Okay. Well, I did go to Classic Lisa, join. You were like, I think... I think this, I might have been the first you one. You might have been either one or two. Well, Can't I'm remember. sure I'm pretty... I might have sure been. The, number one. I might have been the first one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you said go to it, check it out. So I joined and right she away. Joined. Wasn't that nice of her? Yeah. Thanks, right? Lisa. You're welcome. You're so you know nice. whatever I can do for you to pick You're things up a little nice bit. Such a nice person. It's just not fun to drive with. <laughs> Listen, there's quite a few people that texted in and they thought that I was being difficult. But yeah, just, you are. But please know that most of this stuff is you know our stick and it's the way we tease and it's the way we argue and it's just it's just for fun on the radio so don't take anything too seriously you know um like when you were a kid you'd have a pinata and you'd get blindfolded and then try to hit Boy, the you're really into the blindfold thing tonight well that's what i'm saying we're gonna take that same blindfold right put it on you and you'll be fine you'll be nice and calm you'll be passenger i don't want to be kidnapped be nice. by you thank I'm not you gonna very kidnap much you don't worry i'm not gonna kidnap you but when you put a blindfold on me and put me in your car it sounds inappropriate that'd be, that'd be great get pulled over by the police and passengers <laughs> blindfolded what's going on here yeah well officer see here's the thing yeah i think she... you'd be in the police station so fast Listen, Ossifer. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, listen, Ossifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she sounds like a great idea. Can't You can't drive with Lisa as a passenger, I'm telling you right now. All right, so Dimension X coming your way, but first, these words. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. This is just the facts. You're not innocent. Oh, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be talking about facts from 1950, the year of our radio show this hour, which is Dimension X. Okay. Okay, so 1950, huh? Right. So Crusader Rabbit, you know that show? Crusader Rabbit. Crusader Rabbit is the first animated series produced specifically for television. I did not know that. I didn't either. It's an animated series. It sounded familiar to me when I heard the the opening music. Doesn't it? 
Well, so its main characters were Crusader Rabbit and his sidekick Raglan T. Tiger or Rags. You know no, it? I don't remember. You don't know? This. I don't remember either. But no. there it is. The first, uh, so the first TV remote control by Zenith was sold. Do you it was know like what? Click, click. Do you know what it was click. called? Well, I don't remember it. Um, what was it? It called? had a name. Mm, it's a funny name. The clicker. Close. No. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Lazy Bones. Lazy Bones. Lazy Bones. You could sit that. in your Lazy Boy chair and hit your Lazy remember Bones. Remember how they were like click, click. Not like today, you know. Right. Not I mean, like there was today. like a, you would like click, 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 click. Right. It I mean, like, it wasn't digital. So. No, I mean, no. no. You, you, there's no voice activation. <laughs> <laughs> they used my voice. It was my voice going click, click. Um, also, the first metal lunch box featuring Hopalong Cassidy was produced. Wow, really? Yes. So, I, do you I have any know- of those? No, I don't have a Hopalong. Wouldn't that be a great uh, yeah. keepsake So, So what you're saying is prior to that, it was all brown bag in it. I and think then so. they made a lunchbox well, and the they first may have character. Had, they may have had a lunchbox that this is the first metal one. So I don't know if you used paper before or wow. I don't and, know. And cardboard the character perchance, on it was Hopalong, Hopalong Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah. You know, that was the biggest. You know, there was more licensing of Hopalong Cassidy in 1950 than Mickey Mouse. Did you know that? Really? No. Yeah. Well, a lunchbox. Was one of them. I mean, Hop- Hopalong Cassidy was on everything. Yeah, I mean, they made you name Lunch it. Boxes, <laughs> watches, alarm clocks, TV. You know, there's got to be people out there listening who still have some Hopalong oh, yeah. Cassidy uh, paraphernalia. You know what? Sure. And you know what um, makes it very rare when you find a lunchbox is when you open it. And there's actually the thermos still in it. Because a lot of times when you buy a lunchbox, you know, if you're a collector of things like that, the the thermos isn't in it. Somebody texted in um, 312 to let us know they had lunch pails. That's right, lunch pails. Remember in the Honeymooners? Mm -hmm. He had a lunch pail, I seem to remember, Fred. I mean, uh, Ralph. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And this is a really funny fact. Listen to this. Corn Pops debuted in 1950 as Corn Pops. The name changed twice in 1951 to Sugar Corn Pops, then Sugar Pops. In 1978, it changed back to Sugar Corn Pops, then back to the original Corn Pops in 1984. In 2006, it became Pops, and then back to Corn Pops a few months later. Mm. And we're still at Corn Pops, which is how it debuted originally <laughs> In nineteen fifty, they just couldn't. No, back to back to its land roots. on anything. Nope. It was like, all right. So there you go. Nineteen fifty at its pops, best. Pops, sugar pops. So <laughs> I'm trying to think who who might have been the president. It was I, I'm, I'm guessing Truman probably was still not the president, or was he? He was. He, he was, still was. He was still okay. president in oh, nineteen right. fifty. Okay. Harry Truman. All right. Dimension X coming up here. Uh, Dimension X was. I would say one of, if not radio's first adult science fiction series. There was a lot of sci-fi on radio prior to Dimension X, but it was like Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. It was like kid stuff, right? It was not. It was not like for adults. So when this premiered, it was really pretty new. It was pretty innovative um, because, as they say, you know, you had Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, things like that. Occasionally, Lisa, there would be a sci-fi story on suspense or escape, but that was about it. There was not a regular series of adult science fiction until 
Dimension X premiered in 1950 over NBC. And what they did, which was pretty uh, pretty innovative because they would take the greatest sci-fi writers of the day. I'm talking about Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, Frederick Brown. They would take their written stories and dramatize them on Dimension X. There was 50 episodes produced. Then years later, they revamped Dimension X into a new series called X-1. We air that as well. Norman Rose, who would later voice Juan Valdez, the fictional uh, coffee grower in the Columbia Coffee TV commercials, he was the host of Dimension X. And you'll hear him on this particular episode called With Folded Hands from April 15th, 1950, uninterrupted, here is Dimension X. Adventures in time and space, told in future tense. Dimension X. Have you ever heard of the Mark III? The amazing electronic brain they're using now up at Harvard University. In mere minutes, it can solve scientific problems that our most brilliant mathematicians would take years to work out. Its intelligence is almost superhuman. And yet the scientists are already working on a new and improved model, the Mark IV. In fact, they tell us there's no earthly reason why these thinking robots can't be perfected until they become the servants of the future capable of doing all the work of mankind. Yes, that's what the advertising billboard said in the year 2006. Housework made easy by the perfect domestic servant. Modern Mechanicals Agency, Harry Underhill, President. The billboard showed a smiling family, sitting with folded hands, watching their mechanical robot pour their morning coffee. But in the home of Harry Underhill himself... Things weren't quite as pleasant at breakfast this day. I just can't understand it, Aurora. Look at this. Modern mechanical's down three points. Yesterday, Smithson canceled his order. If I could only figure out why. Why don't you ask him? Oh, Frank, there ain't your oatmeal. Oh, Mom. I just don't understand it. Business was good, and then boom. Some louse must be undercutting my prices, that's all. How many robots were canceled? Not robots. Mechanicals, Aurora. How many times... They are robots, aren't they? Please, Aurora. There's an important difference in sales psychology. Maybe people are getting wise to your robots and mechanicals. What do you mean, Aurora? The perfect domestic servant. (laughs) They're ugly, stupid, clumsy, walking junk piles. Aurora. The one you brought home to me can't even wash the clothes properly. It's more trouble than it's worth. Aurora. You know our mechanicals are the best on the market. Those animated tin cans you sell? (laughs) They're certainly not making us any fortune. Well, with this new model, things are bound to pick up a little. That Jarvis order just comes through. Oh, that robot of yours. There's something knocking again. Hey, wait, wait. Put that plate back. I haven't finished my breakfast yet. Wait! Harry, you know you've got to say stop. 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 (sighs) You always get excited. You think you never saw a robot before. Not robot mechanical. All right, all right. Look, it's not its fault. We just took too long to eat. Timing relay is set for 15 minutes. Never mind, I want my coffee back. Set. Set. There, isn't that simple? It bends at the waist, stretches out its arm, and picks up the coffee pot just as if it were your... Hey, watch out! And spills it right in your lap! Oh, my (laughs) clean suit, Aurora! 
Oh, no. Carol, you know it's relayed to announce dinner after it sets the table. Hey, there goes my coffee again. Stop. Stop. Set. Harry, you can't give it two orders at once. What's that smell? There must be a short. Now see what you've done. Got it all upset. I did. All I said was... Stop. 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 Oh, it's no use. The brain coil shorted out. Oh, do something. Harry, do Me? something. Me? I sure will. I'm going to the office. I'm getting out of here. Yes, Lucy? Mr. Jarvis, I... Oh, put him on. Hello, Underhill. Hello, Mr. Jarvis. I'm glad you called. I was just going to ring you. Well, I've got that whole shipment of mechanicals for you. One gross plane, a dozen of the chromium fitted. Oh, hold on, Underhill. I'm canceling the order. You're... Ca- but the invoice is made out and well, I... Well, tear it up. I'm canceling. But why? Underhill, there's a brand new mechanical on the market that makes yours look like something out of a museum. Oh, now, look here, Mr. Don't Jarvis. Don't look me, Underhill. I've seen them, and I'm telling you it'll put you out of business. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yes, Mr. Underhill? Uh, that's the third cancellation today. The world's going to pot. Yes, Mr. Underhill? Hmm? No, never mind, Lucy. I'm going home. Another day. I wonder if Aurora would smell it on me if I ducked into Garrigan's. She's got a nose like a beagle. Hey, that building wasn't here last week. Humanoid Institute, the perfect mechanical. <laughs> oh, no. We didn't have enough competition. Hey, these must be the cutthroats that are underselling me. At your service, Mr. Underhill. Huh? Oh, well, you startled me. <laughs> didn't hear you. Hey, you're a mechanical, aren't you? Not bad, not bad. Very lifelike. Won't you come in, please, and examine our service? Yeah, that's a remarkable voice. They've licked the variable inflection problem. You know, I'm in the same line myself. Uh, mechanicals, I mean. We're aware of that, sir. Oh? Hmm. Hey, some building you've got here. You sure got it up in a hurry. The Humanoid Institute at your service, Mr. Underhill. Yes? Oh, uh, how'd you know my name? For us, that was not difficult. Oh, is that so? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This is ridiculous, talking to a mechanical. Must be somebody inside operating you by remote control. No, Mr. Underhill. Of course, there is Humanoid Central, which powers and controls all of us, but that is located on Wing 4. Wing 4? A planet in a remote part of the galaxy. Oh, oh yeah. Well, uh, may I see your salesman, please? We employ no human salesman, sir. We ourselves can accept your order for immediate humanoid service. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't expect me to buy one. I'm in the business myself. There will be no more need for your electronic mechanicals, sir. Once you have accepted our service, you will no longer have to work. Everything will be done for you. Everything? <laughs> That's quite an offer. At that rate, you'll have trouble supplying the demand. I think not, sir. As you can see from our storage room. Humanoids are now arriving at the rate of 5,000 per hour from wing four. 5,000 per hour? We are anxious to introduce our complete service on this planet, sir, to bring happiness to everyone. May we come out to your home for a free trial demonstration? No, I... Oh, I admit you're remarkable, the the voice and movement, graceful even. But I'm still in business, and what's more, I wouldn't have you around the house. I'm afraid you will have no choice. Sooner or later, it will be necessary. Oh, is that so? Over my dead body, let me out of here. At your service, Mr. Underhill. Well, it's going to be tough competition, all right. 
I'm going to stop in at Garrigan's, the devil with Aurora's nose. Frank, how was the football game? We won, 78 to 3. Guess what, Pop? You made all the touchdowns. Nope. Mom took in a border. She took... She what? Aurora! She said if your business was going to fall on his face, she had to do something to make some money. Oh, she did, huh? Aurora! Oh, for goodness sake, Harry, what's all the racket for? You, you tell me. What's this about a border? Shh, Harry. He's going to live in that little apartment over the garage. Oh, no, he isn't. You know I don't want any strangers around here. Harry, please, shh. Look, he won't bother you. He's a nice old man. Oh, he just wanted a room and a place to work. He's an inventor, I think. Oh, he is, is he? Did he pay in advance? Well, he can't. You see, his mm -hmm. royalties haven't started to come in. Mm-hmm. Aurora, how can you be taken in by every beat-up old panhandler that gives you a sob story? Oh, Mr. Sledge isn't like that at all. Oh, that reminds me, dear. Can you give me a ten? A ten? What for? Well... Mr. Sledge is ill. He needs some medicine for his heart, and I said I'd lend him the money. You get... Oh, Aurora, this is the limit. He goes out right now. Now, don't be unkind, Harry. Besides, we need the rent money. Things aren't that bad yet. He goes. Please, shh. What are you shushing me for? Mr. Sledge, he's in the next room. I've invited him for dinner. Frank, dear, wipe your mouth. Oh, Mom. More gravy, Mr. Sledge? No, thank you, Mrs. Underhill. Mr. Sledge, my wife tells me you're a traveling man. Uh, expect to move on, sir? Harry. I had hoped to do a little work, Mr. Underhill. You see, I've applied for basic patents here on Earth for a very important development. Oh, a new invention, huh? Yes. My field is rhodomagnetics. Rhodo what? Rhodomagnetics. It's a new force field theorem, key to the second triad of the periodic table. Rhodium, ruthenium, and palladium. I'm afraid I'm a little rusty on my science. It's well known in other parts of the galaxy, but I've been able to apply for basic patents here. Worth uh, millions, huh? Perhaps you find it strange that the holder of such valuable property should be in need. Well, uh, yes. I'm a refugee, Mr. Underhill. I arrived on this planet only a few days ago. Mm-hmm. But you will be uh, shoving on again. Oh, for goodness sakes, Harry. That's all right, Mrs. Underhill. I understand. After all, I am an intruder in your home. And if it inconveniences you at all, I'll find some other place to sleep and set up my workshop. Oh. Harry, your robot is spilling the coffee again. I'll have to have it tightened up. Why doesn't your company bring out a better mechanical? One smart enough not to spill things. Wouldn't that be splendid? The perfect mechanical already exists, Mrs. Underhill. They're not so splendid, really. They are why I am a refugee today. Oh? Where'd you say you came from? Wing 4. Wing 4? Oh, then you must mean those humanoids. Humanoids? Mr. Sledge. Humanoids? What do you know about them? Well, they just opened an agency here in Two Rivers. No. No. <gasps> Harry. What is it? Well, what's wrong, Mr. Sledge? Give him some water. It must be his heart. Call Dr. Windows, Aurora. No, no. I'll be all right. Here, you better sit down. I'm sorry. It was just shock. I came here to get away from them. The, the humanoids? Yes. I wanted to finish my work before they came. But now, 
I won't trouble you any further. But, Mr. Sledge, Harry, he's sick. Well, uh, Mr. Sledge, I don't think you'll have to go right away. He can stay, Harry. Sure, after all, the way those humanoids are coming along, I'm liable to become a refugee myself any minute. <laughs> Guess we might as well stick together, eh, Sledge? Oh, that's better. Oh, you look ill, Professor. Maybe you ought to lie down on the sofa and rest. No, no, thank you. I must get back to my workshop now. I haven't got time to rest. There's so little time left for all of us. Good morning, Mr. Underhill. Good morning. Mr. Underhill, you look awful. I feel awful. What's in the mail? Six more cancellations. Mm. The Eat Quick restaurant chain sent back your shipment. They've installed humanoids. <laughs> Mr. McIntyre from the bank called. He's refusing your loan. He said since Humanoid Institute opened, you're a bad credit risk. Okay. I guess that's all. Oh, there's somebody... Something to see you. At your service, Mr. Underhill. You? Oh, no, you're not the same one, are you? Serial number's different. It doesn't matter, sir. We're all really one. Now, in exchange for our complete service, you will assign all your property to Humanoid Institute. I will what? With our service, you will have no need for property. Everything will be provided. What kind of blackmail is this? No blackmail, sir. You will find humanoids incapable of committing any crime. We exist only to increase the happiness of mankind. Thanks. But I can take care of my own business. You have no choice, really. With humanoid service, it is no longer necessary for men to take care of themselves. Our function is to serve and obey and guard men from harm. Get out. Very well, sir. When you wish to sign, let us know. Get out. Get out. Rora, I'm home. At your service, Mr. Underhill. What's the idea of this? You get out of here. Aurora! Mrs. Underhill has accepted our free trial demonstration. We cannot leave unless she requests... We'll see about that. Aurora, where the devil are you? Oh, hello, Harry. What's this mechanical doing... What's happened to you? Isn't it wonderful? Had my hair done, the manicure. The humanoid did it. And cleaned the house all over, washed all the clothes, and gave Frank his music lesson. Now, wait a minute, Aurora. I... I won't... Have this monster in my house. Oh, it's just a free trial, Harry. Just wait till you taste the dinner it cooked. Everything you like best, roast duck. I don't care if he cooked a... Duck? And the most complicated pastries. I could never cook like that. Uh, well, might as well eat. But I'll need a drink first, though. All right, Doc. I'm sorry, sir. What? We exist under the prime directive to guard men from harm. Alcoholic beverages in excess are bad for human consumption. We have taken the liberty of removing them from the house. Now, look here. Mr. Underhill, dinner is served. Yes, Lucy? They're here, Mr. Underhill. I've been expecting them for a week. All right, Lucy. At your service, Mr. Underhill... We have the legal papers here, the bankruptcy forms, the eviction notice. We are ready now to foreclose your agency. Okay, take it over. A lot of good it'll do you. I haven't made a sale in two weeks. And now, if you will make the assignment of all your personal property, we can complete our service to you. What if I won't sign? That would be unfortunate. But with stubborn cases, we must sometimes resort to other methods. Eventually, Mr. Underhill, you will sign. Oh, 
I'm hey, sick hey, and hey. done. Whoa, 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 Frank, what's the matter? What's the trouble, son? That old humanoid. Oh, you're not happy? You should be. It's guaranteed. They took away my football. <laughs> they said it was too dangerous to play with it. And my roller skates and my scout knife and everything. Did they leave you anything? Just some sneaking old plastic blocks. Soft blocks. They said I couldn't get hurt with them. Dad, I want my football back. Can't you do anything? I don't know, son. I don't know. Oh, Mr. Underhill. Mind if I come in, Sledge? No, not at all. You mind if I keep working? Oh, go right ahead. It's good to see somebody working with his hands. There's something wrong? My son. The humanoids took his football away. They're everywhere. They've smashed my business, taken over my house. Sledge isn't there some way to get rid of them? That is exactly what I am trying to do. You? What makes you think you can do anything? Because, you see, Mr. Underhill, I'm the unfortunate fool who started them. You? I don't understand. I started the humanoids. And I've been running from them ever since. You started them? Yes, I invented them. I built the ronomagnetic relays that operate Humanoid Central. But, but why? I, I wanted to bring happiness to humanity. <laughs> happiness, that's great. My wife's been crying for two days, and do you know why? Because she's bored stiff, there's nothing left for her to do. They won't even let her lift a little finger. I don't blame you for feeling bitter, Mr. Underhill, it's all my fault. I wanted them to serve and obey God men from harm. No, they do that all right. They've even emptied our medicine chest. It wouldn't do for one of us happy humans to end it all with a sleeping pill. Mr. Underhill, I've made the most terrible mistake a man can make. But I meant well, believe me. Then why did you do it? I thought I could rid the universe of poverty and hunger by inventing the perfect mechanical. Oh, they're perfect, all right. Too perfect. Yes. That's the trouble. They obey the prime directive too literally. They kill men's souls with their kindness. Oh, isn't there some way they can be controlled? No. I didn't trust mankind, so I made sure that Humanoid Central could not be tampered with. Not even by myself. Uh, then, then what hope is there? Only one. They are not creative. They can't meet new ideas. You mean you've got one, Sledge? Yes. They can defeat anything they know about. But I've got something new. A weapon to attack the brain of Humanoid Central. Is that what you've been working on? Yes. Now that they're here, there's little time left. Either we destroy them, or they will destroy us. Okay. What has to be done? This tuning circuit. Hmm? You see, I need two bus bars here. Hmm? Oh, can you read this diagram? I think so. Got my degree in electronics. Good. If you could help on the bench work, it would save time. Uh -huh. I've got plenty of time now. All right. But watch yourself. Don't let them see you come out here. If you can take the risk, so can I. No. As the inventor, I built a special immunity for myself into Humanoid Central. But you don't have that immunity. They're rather unpleasant methods of dealing with their enemies. They can change you, you know. Change me? Oh. Brain surgery. What do you mean? Never mind. Just be careful. 
Mr. Underhill. Hmm? Uh, what do you want? You're going to meet with Mr. Sledge. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to collect the rent. Mr. Underhill, you have spent the past two afternoons in his room. In view of your association with Mr. Sledge, we feel that our free trial must be terminated. We suggest that you accept our total service and make the assignment of your property immediately. And if I don't? Then, sir, we may be forced to resort to other methods. Well, uh, give me one more day to think it over. Very well, sir. Tomorrow. That will be your last chance. See you? No, not today. Instead, we've got to hurry. It's difficult work, Mr. Underhill, but I'm almost finished. They gave me till today. They said they'd use other methods. What's that? The humanoids building some kind of a warehouse across the road. Sledge, are you sure this thing will work? It's a new principle, Underhill. A tuned rotomagnetic light beam. It should act to fission the heavy atoms of the basic ores and we form. We'll destroy humanoid central. But are you sure? I know the humanoids. I made them. They can't invent anything. They can't create defenses against something new. It's done. It's finished, Underhill. You going to use it now? Immediately. You'll have to feed the astronomical data into the calculating circuits. There must be zero error in focusing. What will happen? Wing 4 will disappear in a chain reaction. Humanoid Central will be destroyed. They'll stop. Ready now. Stand clear, please. Power's building up. Step on the rubber net and found everything. We must be shielded when I cut in the full power load. Hurry, Sledge. I've waited 30 years for this moment, Underhill. When Ring 4 is destroyed, the humanoids all over the galaxy will stop. They'll stop dead. You won't hear those drills. Sledge. All right. Now. Do you hear anything? Sledge. Listen. The drills have stopped. They've stopped. You can see them. The humanoids have stopped. They couldn't guard against something they couldn't understand. It worked under your... We're free now. Goodbye, Wing Four. Humanoid Central is destroyed. At your service, Mr. Underhill. No, Sledge. Get out of here. Get out. You were attempting to break the prime directive. It is therefore necessary to interfere. But you, you stopped. I saw you, all of you. In order to guard against Mr. Sledge's beam, it was necessary to stop all units momentarily to concentrate power. That necessity has passed. But it was new. You can't invent anything, you... No, sir, but we were able to adapt the screening principle you yourself invented. For the past 30 years, Humanoid Central has been screened against any energy attack. All these years wasted. <gasps> All these years? Your immunity has ended, Mr. Sledge. It will now be necessary for you to accept our full service. No! No, I'll stop you. I'll stop all of you. I'll stop you with my bare hands. I'll kill you. No, it's no use. Do not worry, Mr. Underhill. At worst, he can destroy one unit. There are millions more. Sledge, you'll hurt yourself. Sledge. I'll kill him. 
I say it is hard. You, get a doctor. Until he surrenders, we can neither aid nor hinder Mr. Sledge. Do you surrender your immunity, Mr. Sledge? Have to. Last chance. Gone. Yes, yes. Help me. Help me. At your service, Mr. Sledge. You may see Mr. Sledge now, Mr. Underhill. Alone? If you wish. In here. Thanks. Sledge. Well, well, Underhill. Good to see you. Your head. It's, it's bandaged. Is it really? They've done something to you. Are you all right? Oh, fine, fine. Never felt better. You never felt better? No. In fact, I feel ten years younger today. You sound so... so happy. Why not? These humanoids have made a new man of me, Underhill. They're wonderful, aren't they? Wonderful? How could you say that, Sledge? Only yesterday you hated them. You were trying to destroy them. Destroy them? Why? You don't remember? You've forgotten what they're doing to us all? They're killing us with kindness. Taking away all our incentive and pride of accomplishment. Turning us all into pampered, useless pets. Parasites. With nothing left to do but just sit with folded hands at the mercy of these mechanical monsters. At your service, Mr. Underhill. You. You seem troubled, Mr. Underhill. Are you unhappy? Unhappy? You bet I'm unhappy. What have you done to Professor Sledge to turn him into this babbling idiot? We were forced to operate. For years, Mr. Sledge has been suffering from a benign tumor of the brain. It caused him to have hallucinations, to believe that he was actually the creator of the humanoid. Did I? Yes. It was these delusions which were making you unhappy. Oh. <laughs> well, whoever did invent the humanoids, I certainly owe him a debt of gratitude now. Sledge. You see, Mr. Underhill, we have ways to correct these abnormal conditions. Even Mr. Sledge is happy now. You... You operated on his brain? Yes, Mr. Underhill. And now we are at your service. At my service? You mean you're going to operate on... No. The time has come for you to accept and enjoy our complete service. You will now sign our agreement. Look here, I... If you are unhappy, it only takes a simple operation. No, no. Well, who said I was unhappy? I'm very happy. I'll sign your paper. You don't have to operate on me. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very, very happy. Very happy. happy, Mr. Underhill's futile hands clenched and relaxed again, and then folded quietly. There was nothing else left for them to do. You have just heard the Jack Williamson story with folded hands, an adventure in time, space, and the unknown world of the future, the world of Dimension X. Tonight's story on Dimension X was adapted for radio by John Dunkel, 
Featured in the cast were Philip Bornoff as Harry Underhill, Alexander Scorby as the humanoid, Peter Capel as Professor Sledge, and Brian Rayburn as Aurora. Your host was Norman Rose. Tomorrow, here Sam Spade. Now, it's Truth or Consequences on NBC. That guy, Norman Rose, mm-hmm. he smelled like a rose. Oh. Did you know that? You into scents? A little bit. With Folded Hands is the name of that Dimension X uh, story Mm -hmm. from April 15th, 1950. And one of the cast members in this uh, particular episode, Alexander Scorby, I grew up listening to Alexander Scorby's um, narration of the Bible. He, He narrated a Bible. And it is a one of the best-selling Bibles of all time. He was a, he had a great voice, and he narrated the Bible. The other one uh, that I listened to a lot was the James Earl Jones one, until I created some uh, radio dramatizations yes. of the Bible. But I uh, hope you enjoyed With Folded Hands on Dimension X, as heard on NBC. Bob Warren doing the announcing on that show. Uh, all right, so uh, more classic radio coming your way. Don't forget, folks... Five shows are waiting for you. Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Gunsmoke, Richard Diamond, Private Detective, and Jack Benny. Five great classic radio shows, each one of them about 30 minutes long, digitally remastered, are yours when you uh, go to our website, 100radioshows.com. Go to that website, just put the number 100radioshows.com. At the very top of the site, it says uh, download your shows. You'll have to put your email address, and then what happens is you hit send, and boom, you get the email with the five links to the five shows. They never expire. They're yours absolutely free as our thank you for listening to the show. Right? It's a nice gift. And then if you want to look at any of the other shows, there's 700 radio shows there. If you want to buy any of them, make sure you use the promo code RADIO at checkout. You will save 70%. That's our other way of saying thanks for listening to this radio show. It's a lot of thank yous there. Yep. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. You know, uh, one of our main sponsors has been with us from day one, Lisa, Cat's Pride, which is uh, the best kitty litter on the market. Um, The CEO, Dan Jaffe, will be here with us next week, along with uh, Dave Weiske, Vice President of Customer Success. Uh, They are very generous. They come in here once a month, and uh, we uh, randomly select... You know, through a drawing, a uh, one of our lucky listeners wins a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. Very nice, very generous gift. And um, they are going to do two t- uh, next Saturday because they weren't able to come here last month. So we're going to actually pick two names uh, out of a hat. And so two of our listeners will win a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. So, folks, if you have not sent in your picture of your kitty cat, don't delay. We need that in uh, prior to next Saturday. So just take a picture of your cat. Lisa says this all the time. If you have a cat, you have pictures of your cat. You don't even have to take a picture. That's true. Because you'll have a picture already. That's for sure. But if you don't have a picture, like if I had a cat, I wouldn't have a picture of it. Yes, you would. So you take a picture of your cat and uh, and email it to us, 
at uh, catspridephoto at gmail.com. And send us all the pertinent information, your cat's name, your name, city How and state. How many times a day do I show you pictures of my dog? <laughs> Non-stop. <laughs> I, <laughs> she takes pictures of that dog yeah. like it's well, uh, he's, he's brand funny. new baby. I know. But it, it has a personality. Your dog he has really, a lot to Your say. dog really does have an interesting does. personality. Did I you know. recently buy him the stairs that gets up to the bed? Did you do I that? I did, yeah. Yeah. So he just, he just walks up the well, stairs? Well, because he has very short legs, and so mm-hmm. he can't jump up, and I don't want him to jump down because it's a really, it's a it's a big jump. The bed is very high. Right. And I don't want him to so hurt himself. So it's like himself. Princess and the Pea? No. So I don't want him to hurt his legs. It's it's a pretty have, hard like, landing. a bunch of thick mattresses? No, just, a, just some nice fuzzy stairs. <laughs> he can go up no, and I down. No, I mean, is your bed real high off the ground? It is. Oh, okay. It's very high off the like ground. Like the Princess and the Pea? Oh, well, no. The Princess and the Pea, she has a under the mattress right. so she can't sleep. Yeah, but there's a lot of mattresses oh. and she still Well, I only have one mattress pee. and box spring, but it's very uh, the I guess the frame is very high. Right. Yeah, kind of like a princess. It's like no a, pee. It's very royal and regal. That's right. Very regal. That's right. All right. Well, uh so your doggy has a little stairs to go up and down, huh? He does. Little, little Simba. Yeah, best thing I ever bought, Amazon. <laughs> but he, he does have quite the personality, your He dog. does. Yeah. He's a lot. He's I, a, on the other hand, don't have any you a dog. dog. I you, like dogs. I yeah. love dogs, but... I've it, done all that. I've had all kinds of dogs. You've had you dogs. Know. You'd have kids. It's I've enough. Had dogs, kids, other things. <laughs> <laughs> I've had you've lots had dogs of other and things. kids and other types of things. Right. All right. So in our next hour, hour five, we will listen to one of the best detective shows from the golden age of radio. It was on a long, long time. Lon Clark played Nick Carter master detective for like 13 seasons or something like that. And I had the great pleasure of being in a radio reenactment of Nick Carter, master detective, years and years ago, and standing right next to to Lon Clark, and along with and Charlotte Manson there. She was there playing Patsy Bowen, and I was the bad guy. I was well, the of bad course. guy. And what Lon el- Clark... What else could you, know, you play? Great, you know, for me, you know what that was like? Yeah. That's like... Forget I know, it was about before it. Before I I met you, right? I mean, to stand next to Lon Clark and act, you know, was the bad. He was the. If I had known you, me. I would have gone and taken photos. Can you and imagine videos. what how the how happy I was? I I, I was can't. in like I was a like cloud nine. Classic radio heaven. Gosh, I'll say. So that was a really fun time. I did yeah. that with Gildersleeve too. Willard Waterman. You and know, I there's very few opportunities now. So to, much fun. to meet anybody that was in these golden age of radio. Yeah, so stick around. Hour five of the WGN Radio Theater. We're here every single Saturday night starting at 10 p.m. Unless uh, we're preempted for some reason, Lisa, like next weekend, we will start at 11 p.m. Right, but right? we will still have four great hours. How do you know this? Are you uh, like a Karnak? I'm kind of a guru. I just yeah. kind of keep up on You're things guru, and know right. ahead of time what's going to happen in the future. Right, so we're going to be on for four hours next Saturday, not five hours. But uh, primarily we're on from uh, 10 p.m. until uh, 3 o'clock in the yeah, morning. don't give up on us. We will be on at 11. That's right. And in this hour we'll play Nick Carter. 
master detective. He was so great, he was a master detective. Right. I kind mean, of just, like you're a master radio host. Kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess, right? you're, I guess you're right there. I can't, <laughs> can't no, I hate to argue with you, you Lisa. You love to argue with me, actually, Carl. I hate to argue with you. Uh, yeah, we're going to listen to Nick Carter, Master Detective. We're going to play uh, our new segment, too. That's coming up in just, just a minute. Hey, I want to remind everyone, I know we've talked about this, but don't don't miss out, folks. Go to our website, 100radioshows.com. Here's why. When you go to that website, you all you have to do is put your uh, email address into the website, and you will instantly, and I'm talking like, Ten seconds later, you'll be sent an email with uh, five links in it, five classic radio show links. These are yours to keep. They're a gift to you for listening to us here on WGN. You'll get Fibber McGee and Molly, full-length show. You'll get Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Suspense, and Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Five shows. That's our thank you for listening to us here on the greatest radio station in the world. Now, here is an additional bonus. There are seven collections at this website, 100radioshows.com. The reason why we call the show 100 Radio Shows or the website 100radioshows.com is because there are seven collections, and each one of those collections has 100 radio shows in it. I feel like you should call this the 700 Classic radio shows. No, you know why com. I can't do that? Because we're going to add more collections to that oh, website at some point. You're going to have to change the to website all it. of the time. Actually, 705radioshows.com because there's a 700 you can purchase and the five free ones. Yeah, but we're, as I said, kidding. I'm going to be adding more collections. Now, uh, there's a comedy collection there, a Western, a detective, an all Christmas collection. And there's the greatest shows. Mystery. Great, yeah, there's, there's really great stuff there. Every single episode has been digitally remastered. They sound great. But here's the thing you want to remember. If you decide that you want to order any of these collections, make sure to use the promo code RADIO at checkout because you will save 70% off the price. That's nice. That's a you lot. You like a deal, right? I like a good when deal. When you're at Neiman Marcus, you like to have a deal, right? I wish I could shop at Neiman Marcus. <laughs> Unfortunately, not so much. Yeah, it's your favorite store. No, it's not. I don't shop there. <laughs> I'm more like a Target kind of guy. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, 100radioshows.com. Go there. Get your five free classic radio shows. No strings attached. But if you do want to order any of the collections, use the promo code RADIO at checkout. Save 70%. And by the way, when you click any one of those seven collections, it'll show you all 100 shows. You'll see all the broadcast dates, who the stars are, titles of the shows. It's really informative. So check it out, 100radioshows.com. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play our game. Well, it's not really a game. We're going to play our segment, Just the Facts. See you in a few. For News at 10, watch WGN, Micah Mater, Joe Donlin, Dan Rohn, and Chicago's most trusted meteorologist, Tom Skilling. For TV News at 10, watch Chicago's very own WGN. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. 
So this is our Just the Facts segment. Uh, This hour we will be playing Nick Carter Master Detective from 1949. So we're going to talk about a few fun facts, history, and trivia that went on in the year 1949. Start with Carl, as you had asked me to do. Who was president in 1949? Gosh, 1949. Um... Give it give it your best shot. Truman. Yes, it was wow, Harry S. Truman. Really? Wow. What does the S stand for, Carl? Harry Samuel <laughs> Truman. It's a good guess. It doesn't actually stand for anything. It's just, it's just an just S. It just looked good. It's an just S. just wanted an S there. It's, and there's no dot. It's just an S. Really? It doesn't stand for anything. I did not anything. know that. Well, I'm glad I taught you something. I always learn from you, Lisa. <laughs> well, we'll keep, we'll keep moving on that, and that in that direction. We are going to start with a song that was very influential in the year 1949. Some enchanted evening You may see us So did you recognize that song, Carl? Not really. Okay, I didn't think you would. No. But it was very influential. This is the Why song. Why was it so influential? Well, the song is Some Enchanted Evening. Some Enchanted Evening. There you go. So Rodgers and Hammerstein debuted ah. the musical South Pacific on Broadway. You will in, remember. In 1949. Um, something like something that, a like little, little bit different, but you're so close. So, yeah. Big show, and that song became like, a, a very big hit. It's like horseshoes hit. and hand grenades. I was just so close. You're so close. That's yeah. all that counts. Also, in 1949, the first credit card, Diners Club, wow. was issued. That and was it, the first credit card? Yep, Diners, Diners Club. Club. I didn't know that. In 1949, it was made out of... I plastic? No, cardboard. Wow, yep. cardboard. Yep, so the co- co-founder... Don't leave it in your pants and wash it. Don't leave it where? <laughs> <laughs> your pants pocket and gotcha, then wash it. Gotcha, So the co-founder, his name was Frank McNamara, and he was dining with clients and he realized he forgot his wallet. <laughs> of course, his wife paid the tab, because that's right. what wives do. Right, and that's Not how... my wife. She never did. <laughs> I bet she did. My wife never had a credit card <laughs> And on then, her. of course, that's how the idea of a credit card wow. came to be. Man. Right? I wish I would have come up with that. I believe me, I do too. And also in 1949, this is a great fact for you, Carl, Dragnet premiered on NBC Radio. Yeah. Of course, later it turned into a TV series. That's right. Dragnet. Wow, 1949. And one more thing of interest. The Hollywood sign by Mulholland Drive used to say... Hollywood Land. Hollywood Land. And, and the when land it was fell const- off. Yeah, and when it was constructed <laughs> in 1923 until... 1949 when wow, it said when, Hollywood. I think there was maybe an earthquake or something like that and it fell over or a big storm Some, or something. Something happened. Yeah, it used to say Hollywood land and exactly. then the land fell off and they just left it off. It turned into Hollywood. That's Short crazy, right? Wow. Yep. Great job, Lisa Thanks, Wolf. Carl. All right. Uh, don't forget, go to our website, wgnradiotheater.com. We have a great stuff there. We also uh, have our classicradioclub.com. Don't forget, check out our Classic Radio Club. But right now, it's time for uh, Nick Carter, Master Detective. And uh, we talked about this earlier. He was so popular, Lisa, and he was so good. That he was a master detective. Master detective. Master. That's, a, that's the key word here. I wonder why he was called master detective. Do you have any Does idea? Does anybody ever call you master? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I used to like, was it Bewitched? Be- no, not Bewitched. No, that was I Dream of, uh, Genie, I Dream of Genie. With Larry Hagman. She used to call him master. Yeah. Do you oh, like yeah. that? I, that I like. Yeah. I know you do. Right. Uh, Nick Carter, master detective. First seen in Street and Smith dime novels. 
and pulp magazines. And then, like Sherlock Holmes, Nick solved cases too tough for police, which earned him the moniker... Master. Master Detective. Lon Clark played Nick Carter the entire run. Imagine that. The entire run from 1943 all the way to 1955, one guy played the role, Lon Clark. And uh, it was sponsored for most of its run by Old Dutch Cleanser. Something you would not even know how to use. Uh, no, I'm not a big it's, cleanser. Uh, kind no, it's of like I think Ajax. they still smell it. It's like Ajax. Smell. I think they still sell that. They smell it? They smell it and they sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Patsy Bowen was Nick's assistant. She was played by Helen Schott and later by Charlotte Manson. And Scubby Wilson, the demon reporter, was played by John Kane. And Sergeant Matheson, the head of the police department, was played by Ed Latimer. He had a 13-year run. Good run. Uh, Walter Pigeon played uh, Nick Carter in three movies for MGM. Never seen those. I would like to see those movies. Uh, but right now it's time for The Case of the Vanishing Weapon from September 18, 1949. Here is Lon Clark, uninterrupted now as Nick Carter, Master Detective. New wonderful old Dutch cleanser, the only cleanser made with activated seismotite, invites you to stand by for... Nick Carter, Master Detective. Today's Nick Carter adventure starring Lon Clark, The Case of the Vanishing Weapon. I, Dorothy, take thee, Wayne, to my lawful wedded husband to love, honor, and cherish. Wayne, darling, please, let's move back from the edge. High places always frighten me, and... uh, Wayne, no... I am a lady. Take thee, Wayne, to my low for wedded husband to love, honor, and. Don't keep swimming away from me, Wayne. Help me. You know I can't swim. Now, Nick Carter and the case of the vanishing weapon. Brought to you by new, wonderful old Dutch cleanser. It's 4.20 in the afternoon of an extremely warm day. Driving back to the city, Nick and Patsy meet a car rushing toward them at top speed on the left side of the road. Get over, you idiots! Nick, it's a woman. She's going to hit us. Nick, she ran right into him. Couldn't get out of her way because of that fence. But at least we avoided a head-on collision. Oh. She only struck the back end of the car. Well, I wonder if she's hurt. Now, come on, let's see. Yeah. Oh, Nick, she caromed off your car right smack into that tree. She must have been ill. I saw her just before we crashed, slumped over the wheel. There she is. Oh, Nick, she was thrown to the windshield. Yeah. She's in pretty bad shape. Oh. Seems to be conscious, though. I can't die. Can you I hear can't. me? I can't. You're not going to die. You're going to be all right. You'll marry again. You'll kill his next wife. What did you say? For the insurance. I know it. I found out too late. I can't go. If I do, he'll do it again. He'll marry again. again. Please don't think about it now. She's dead. Oh. Nick. Nick, she wasn't delirious. She knew what she was saying. Do you think her husband really killed her? I don't know, Patsy. But I'm going to make it my business to find out. It's 
In just a moment, we'll return to The Case of the Vanishing Weapon, today's adventure with Nick Carter. Yours, a thrilling new cleaning discovery. Yes, to give you faster, easier cleaning than any other cleanser, we've activated Seismatite in Old Dutch Cleanser. When there's a sink to clean, a touch of Old Dutch Cleanser works dazzling magic. Just see new sudsing Old Dutch Cleanser go to work. It dissolves grease on contact. Quickly, easily, its sudsing action sweeps away dirt and stains. Snowy white Old Dutch Cleanser cleans fast, safe, sure. Leaves no gritty sediment. Rinses away completely. Doesn't clog drains. Get two cans of Old Dutch Cleanser. One for the kitchen, one for the bathroom. Old Dutch Cleanser, the only cleanser made with activated seismatite. Now, back to The Case of the Vanishing Weapon. Today's adventure with Nick Carter, brought to you by new, wonderful old Dutch cleanser. It is a short time later. Nick and Patsy are talking with the chief of police of Elm City, the town the dead woman lived in. Well, that's a story, chief. I've given you her exact words. Mm. Oh, I've known Kay Bolton since she was a little girl. Well, do you know her husband, too? Sure. He came here from out west someplace, I understand. They've been married long? About a year, I guess. I see. Kay was a widow with a good farm, a little money in the bank. I guess Bolton knowed a good thing when he seen it, and he just swept her right off her feet. Uh-huh. What did her family think about it? She don't have no family except a brother, and he was away at the time. You see, he builds bridges. I see. Hey, Chief, did you notice that the windows in Mrs. Bolton's car were all shut up tight? A day like this, it must have been sweltering in there. Yeah, it would be. Well, Kay had hay fever kind of bad. I heard her say many times she'd rather roast than sneeze her head off from the pollen in the air. Yes, but that's no reason to have the heater on. The, the heater? Yeah. When I examined the wreck, I noticed that the heater was on full blast. Uh, Nick, you said she was slumped over the wheel as though she were unconscious just before the collision. Yeah. Maybe she passed out from the heat. Well, now that don't make sense, Miss Bowen. If it was that bad, seems like even Kay would stop and cool off. Hay fever, no. I'd think she would. But suppose she were unconscious from carbon monoxide fumes or something. Huh? You mean Bolton might have done something to the exhaust pipe so them fumes go inside? Maybe. But she wasn't unconscious when you got to her? No. But the shock of the wreck could have snapped her out of it. Well... Look, Chief, suppose we don't say anything about our suspicions until after we talk to her husband. Yeah. Yeah, and let him think he's put it over on us, huh? And I'll have the autopsy performed as soon as we get back to town. Yeah, but you'll need the husband's permission, won't you? And he'll never give it if he's guilty. You've got something there, Miss Bowen. Well, nevertheless, let's try it anyway. Maybe we can learn something from his reaction when we suggest that autopsy. An autopsy? Nothing doing. Kay suffered enough already. Just a minute, Bolton. Kay was my sister as well as your wife. If the chief thinks an autopsy would serve any useful purpose, I'm in favor of it. But what useful purpose? An autopsy would show whether there was anything in her system that would make her unconscious, What difference does it make? She's dead. Autopsy won't bring her back. Did she have any insurance, Mr. Bolton? Yes, we had a joint policy for $20,000 payable to the survivor. Mm. And this farm, who gets that? Well, I... I don't know. We never discussed it. Well, you get it, Bolton. Kay wrote me she'd made a new will after she married you, leaving you everything. I didn't know. Well, there won't be any autopsy, and that's final. As Kay's brother, I have something to say about that. And if there's any suspicion that her death wasn't accidental... You have any reason to think that, Mr. McEwen? Well, why else would you want an autopsy? And why would you want to know who benefits by her death? If there's any doubt, I want it cleared up. 
And you should too, Bolton. Well, I... I do, Mac, of course, but... Well, then just sign this paper, giving your consent. I... I... Very well. Give it here. Here you are. Mr. Bolton, I I don't like to butt in, but I can't find the housekeeper no place. She went to her room, Sam. She's all upset. Oh. Well, Mr. Mac, that five gallons of ice cream Mr. Bolton got for the party tomorrow, she didn't put in the deep freeze and it's all melted. I was Ah, wondering... Throw it out. Do anything you want with it. Only get out of here and go back to your work. Oh, yes, sir. Who's that, Chief? That's Sam Webb, the hired hand. Hmm. Hey, what you doing here, Chief? Ain't nothing wrong, is there? Yes, Sam. It's Mrs. Bolton. She's dead. No. Wrecked the car, did she? What makes you think that? Huh? Why, uh, just the first thing that popped into my head, I guess. Besides, I, I thought she wasn't in no condition to drive when she came out to the barn and drove off. What? You mean she was ill? Oh, no, ma'am. She was mad. Blazing mad, if you ask me. Folks can't keep their mind on their driving when they're like that. What were you doing in the barn? I thought I told you to mend that fence at the bottom of the West Pasture. Well, I I finished up early, Mr. Bolton. So I, I thought I'd clean out the stalls and, and do some repairing. I, I was there when you come in. Sam, did Mrs. Bolton tell you what she was angry about? No, sir, but she was good and mad. Oh, it wasn't anything, Mr. Carter. Uh, Bolton was late getting back with the car, and Kay had an appointment in Elm City. She was mad because she was going to be late. I couldn't help being late. I was delayed. Oh, uh, was there a quarrel, Mr. Bolton? Of course not. Kay was always flying off the handle, but it didn't mean anything. I sent Mac out to the car for the rest of the supplies I'd brought back while I tried to talk her out of it, but uh, I couldn't. I see. Well, thanks for giving your consent to the autopsy, Mr. Bolton. May I answer some very important questions? <laughs> Carter, Miss Bourne. Hello. Oh, gosh, what a night. I was down at the Blame Garage till 6 o'clock this morning. Oh, uh, did the mechanic find anything suspicious? Well, the car was smashed up pretty bad, but he swears the wreck didn't affect nothing that could have caused the accident. Did he check the steering gear, the brakes? Yeah, and the muffler, too. Nothing had been tampered Hmm. with. And the autopsy showed absolutely no trace of carbon monoxide in her lungs or blood. No other poisonous gas for that matter. And she wasn't drugged, either. I guess we was wrong about Bolton doing it. Maybe she did fall asleep at the wheel. No, I doubt that, Chief. Anyone who was as upset and angry as Sam said Mrs. Bolton was just wouldn't doze off. Are you still trying to make out it was more than an accident, are you? Oh, we're sure it was. Well, now, if Bolton caused that wreck without tampering with the car and without drugging her in any way, he's committed a perfect crime. A murder without a single clue. I wouldn't say that, Chief. Every unexplained fact is a clue. And there are several in this case. Such as what? Well, why was Sam so sure she'd been killed in an auto wreck? Why should her dying words have been about murder for insurance? And why was she driving with the heater turned out? Okay, if you're looking for unexplained facts, what about the ice cream? Well, what about it? Well, now, Bolton brought that back from town at 4 o'clock. Uh-huh. And when we were there at 7.30, it was all melted, according to Sam. Oh, well, that's only natural. The housekeeper forgot to put it in the deep freeze. Miss Bowen, we get them five-gallon containers of ice cream for picnics and such. We get them early in the morning. And they're still as hard as a rock when we eat supper. Hi, George, that's it. Huh? Huh? Well, what's what? That's what killed Mrs. Bolton. A weapon that vanished into thin air. Vanished? Literally and completely, without leaving a trace. What? Well, then there's no way of proving it, is there? Not unless we can get a confession. And anybody smart enough to think of a scheme like that won't be easily bluffed. Now, look, Carter, 
Where would you get a weapon that would vanish that way? At your local creamery, just as Bolton did. Oh, Nick, you're not saying that Mrs. Bolton was murdered with five gallons of ice cream. No. If it wasn't for that ice cream, she'd be alive right now. Oh, Nick. Come on, let's drive out to the farm. Now I've got something to work on. I know, Carter. I carried that container of ice cream into the house from the car without opening it. But Bolton... Yes, McEwen, were you going to say something? Well, uh, only that when I went through the kitchen to get the other things out of the car, I noticed that the seal on the container was broken. Well, I didn't break it. Perhaps the housekeeper... Uh, no, Mr. Bolton, I asked her. She was upstairs at the time. Well, what's the ice cream got to do with it anyway, Mr. Carter? Plenty, McEwen. Those five-gallon containers are in two sections. One for the ice cream itself... And one that holds dry ice to keep it from melting. So what? Did you ever notice how drowsy you get in the crowded room where the air is stale? Well, sure. That's because the oxygen in the air has been used up. And replaced with carbon dioxide, which people have exhaled. That's what happens when we breathe. Well, come to the point, Carter. All right, I will. When I examined your car just after the wreck, Mr. Bolton, I found a few small pieces of dry ice in the heater. Dry ice is nothing but carbon dioxide in a solid form. In the heater of your wife's car, it melted, fast, and flooded the car with carbon dioxide. And with all the windows closed, it must have been ten times as bad as the most crowded, stuffy room you ever saw. And that's why she went to sleep at the wheel. That's fantastic. You think somebody took the dry ice out of that ice cream container and put it in the heater of the car to... To To, to make her wreck the car and kill herself. Yeah, Mr. Bolton, that's exactly what we think. Then then it must have been Mac. Why, that's a lie. You went through the kitchen when I left the ice cream and and then went out to the car for the rest of the things. Uh, You must have opened the package and... Are you accusing me of murdering my own sister? It, It had to be you. Nobody else could have done it. No? Well, uh, who got her to take out that insurance policy? Who inherits this farm and everything else she owns? That doesn't mean... I don't get anything out of her death, and I don't want to. But you get plenty. Now, calm down, Mac. Calm down. She was all I had. And he killed her. He killed her. I did not. You did it yourself. And now you're trying to... All right, all right. Hold it. Hold it. I know how we can find out who put that dry ice in the heater. How? Ask Sam, your hired man. Sam? What would he know about it? He was in the barn from the time you drove in with the ice cream, Mr. Bolton, until your wife left about ten minutes later. Dry ice melts fast, very fast. To be effective, it'd have to be put in sometime during that ten minutes. Sure. You're right, Mr. Carter. Sam must have seen him putting that stuff in the heater. That's why he figured Kay was killed in a wreck. Yeah, maybe he didn't think nothing of it at the time, but afterwards he realized what he saw. And then maybe he figured he could get paid for not talking. Well, he'll talk now. He'll talk or I'll break him in two. All right, no, no, McEwen. You and Bolton will stay here with the chief. Patsy and I will go talk with Sam. And after we do, chief, I think you'll have a new border at the county jail. Nick, you didn't really find any dry ease in the heater of that car, did you? Why, of course not, Patsy. I told you I'd have to bluff. Yeah, but if Sam did see something, it won't be a bluff any longer. Oh, yes, it will. You may have seen something, but he couldn't tell what was actually going on inside the car from back in the stalls where he was working. No, no, I guess not. Well, maybe we can use Sam's testimony to frighten the killer into giving himself away. Oh, here, this must be Sam's shack. Uh-huh. He must be here. We know he's nowhere else on the farm. Yeah. Let's see if the door's locked. No, it isn't. Come in. Right. <gasps> oh, Nick, look. They're on the floor. Oh, that's Sam. Nicky, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah. Shot through the head. Probably sometime last night. Look around the floor. See if you can find an empty cartridge. Right. 
If it's killed with an automatic, there's a chance the empty shell's on the floor somewhere. Well, if it is, I'll find it. Here. Here's something. What is it? Somebody knelt down beside the body. There's a perfect knee print and a smear of blood. You can even see the weave of the material the trousers were made of. Some sort of coarse tweed. Nick, I found it. The cartridge shell? Yes, it was under the table. Here. Uh-huh. Now we can really get down to business. Yes, this time we've got a weapon that can't vanish into thin air. An empty cartridge case, the first bit of concrete evidence the wife killer has left in a series of five murders. But Nick still faces the problem of proving his guilt. We'll see what happens in just a moment. An important announcement. Coming next week on Nick Carter, Old Dutch Cleanser's Big New Contest. Listen so you can get an early start in this easy, fascinating contest that pays off with loads of valuable prizes. And remember, we've activated seismatite in Old Dutch Cleanser. Its amazing sudsing action sweeps away dirt and stains, cuts grease on contact, cleans fast, safe, sure, leaves no gritty sediment, rinses away completely, saves you time and work, helps you keep your house at its shining best. New sudsing Old Dutch Cleanser is at your grocer's now in the same familiar package. Get two cans tomorrow. One for the kitchen, one for the bathroom. Old Dutch Cleanser, the only cleanser made with activated seismatite. Now, back to The Case of the Vanishing Weapon. Today's adventure with Nick Carter. Brought to you by Old Dutch Cleanser. At the farmhouse, Nick and the chief are trying to find the automatic with which Sam Webb, the Bolton's hired hand, was killed. Mac has admitted owning such a gun, and they've gone to his room to get it. There you are, Mr. Carter. But I swear I haven't touched that gun since I came back two weeks ago. Did Bolton know where you kept it, Mac? Well, I don't know, Chief, but it wouldn't have been hard to find. I didn't even know he had a gun. Well, this is a thirty-eight. Sam was killed with a thirty-two. A thirty-two? Then... Then Bolton must have used Kay's gun. What are you talking about? Kay didn't own a gun. Why, you're a liar. She had a 32 automatic for years, kept at her bedside table, and you know it. That's not true. You can come and look for yourself, Chief. Our room is right across the hall. But she won't find any gun there. Well, don't expect to. Not now. Oh, uh, here's your gun, McEwen. Oh, thanks, Mr. Carter. But uh, Kay did have a gun. Charlie must have seen it hundreds of times. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll get at the truth. There, look for yourself. Do you see a gun in that drawer? Kay wouldn't have a gun in the house. All right, let's forget about that for a minute. Who owns a tweed suit? A tweed suit, Mr. Carter? Why? We found evidence proving that Sam's killer was wearing a suit of coarse tweed at the time of the murder. You have one? Why, why, no. Neither do I. Well, you shouldn't have said that, Bolton. I've seen you wearing a tweed suit a hundred times. Well, I... I did have a tweed suit, but Kay gave it away last week. It was worn out. Who'd she give it to? I I don't know. She didn't say... Why, Bolton, I saw that suit hanging in your closet only yesterday. I'll bet it's there right now. Well, it's gone. Naturally. Of course it is. Any fool would know enough to get rid of a piece of evidence like that. I tell you, I haven't had it for over a week. Wait a minute. You went down in the cellar carrying a bundle this morning, Bolton. That was the garbage. Mrs. Lawrence always puts the garbage in a paper bag. The bundle you had was wrapped in newspaper. It was not. It was a paper bag. And then I heard the furnace door. I always burn the garbage in the furnace. You know that. Bolton, suppose we take a look in that furnace and see what else you was burning.
Here's another scrap of tweed that didn't burn. That's part of your suit, ain't it, Bolton? Yes, but I didn't put it there. Mac did it. He's raving me. Oh, sure, sure. He is, I tell you. Everything you found could have been done by him, couldn't it? He could have put that dry ice in the car heater as well as me. He could have shot Sam and put that suit in the furnace. And wore the suit to kill Sam, too, I guess. Why, you blame fool. Anybody can see that Mac couldn't get into your clothes the shoehorn. He's twice as big as you are. And I never owned a tweed suit in my life. Anyway, the knee print by Sam's body had exactly the same weave as this tweed that was burned in the furnace. Now, wait a minute. Uh, did you find something else, Nick? I'll say I did down among the ashes. Look. That's it. That's Kay's gun. I never saw that gun before in all my life. Any fingerprints on it, Carter? Afraid not, Chief. The whole outside is burned clean. Yes, but a ballistics test will show if it's the gun that Sam was killed with. Won't it, Nick? Without a doubt. Even if it's the same gun, that doesn't prove anything. Well, here's something that does, Bolton. A perfect set of fingerprints. Prints? Well, I thought you said the gun was burned clean. The outside was, yes. But there's a fine set here on the cartridge clip. I thought they might have been overlooked. That's smart thinking, Carter. Well, how come the cartridges didn't explode in the fire, Nick? Well, the clip's empty, Patsy. Oh. But the prints are nice and clear. They're, they're not my prints. I never saw that gun. Yeah? Well, now, I'll just take that clip over to the county seat and let the fingerprint man there have a look at him. Oh, uh, if you don't mind, Chief, I'd rather take this to the fingerprint lab in the city. Huh? What's the matter with Joe Parker over the county seat? Well, he may be perfectly all right, but... Well, look, let me have my own way, will you, please? I'll stay at the hotel in Elm City tonight, drive into the city tomorrow, and have a report you can depend on before tomorrow evening. Well, okay, keep the blame clip. And you, Bolton, come on. I'm locking you up where you can't get out to commit no more murders. Who's there? Who's in the room? Who is it? Don't move, Mr. Carter. You're a fine target under that bed lamp. McEwen. What are you doing here? I came to get something that belongs to me. That clip with the fingerprints on it. What? And those are your prints. Bolton was telling the truth. You killed Sam. Sure I did. Couldn't let him tell about seeing me put that dry ice in the heater of Kay's car, could I? And he said he had been in the barn at the time. And I had to get rid of him. And all the evidence against Bolton. You planted it yourself. Why not? Somebody had to be the patsy. I could see you suspected him already. Nobody knew I had that thirty-two, So I said it belonged to Kay. And who can prove that it didn't? And you planted it in the furnace for us to find, together with a tweed suit. <laughs> sure. That suit was the smartest part of the whole frame-up. Kay gave it to Sam. It was hanging right there in front of me when I shot him. But you couldn't have worn it. It was too small for you. No, but I could wrap it around my knee and then make a print in that bloodstain, couldn't I? Didn't tell you I saw Bolton trying to burn it. You thought of everything, didn't you? Everything but that cartridge clip with my fingerprints on it. Where is it, Carter? Or do I put a bullet in your head? All right, you win. It's in the left-hand top dresser drawer, wrapped in a handkerchief. Yeah? Thanks for making it easy. First, we'll wipe these prints out. And then, Mr. Carter, I'm a 
afraid I'll have to get rid of you. And now hold on, McHugh, and you've destroyed the proof against you, and I let it go at that. I can't let you talk about this little visit. Look, McHugh, and don't... Shut do up. I've... I said I was going to get rid of you, and I am. So... <laughs> As Mac points his gun at Nick's head and pulls the trigger, he stands only a few feet away, too close to miss. We'll see what happens in just a moment. Here's a wash day tip. Keep your washer sparkling clean inside and out with wonderful new sudsing Old Dutch Cleanser. Yes, a touch of Old Dutch Cleanser cuts grease on contact, sweeps away dirt and stains almost like magic. You'll be amazed at the new sudsing action of Old Dutch Cleanser. Snowy white, leaves no gritty sediment, rinses away completely. It's been granted the good housekeeping seal. Yes, ladies, for faster, easier cleaning than you've dreamed possible, switch to new sudsing Old Dutch Cleanser, the only cleanser made with activated seismatite. And next week, Old Dutch Cleanser's wonderful new contest starts. Easy to enter, easy to win. It's loads of fun with loads of valuable prizes. Hear all about this sensational new contest and how you may win next week on Nick Carter. Now for the conclusion of The Case of the Vanishing Weapon. Today's adventure with Nick Carter, brought to you by new, wonderful old Dutch cleanser. In Nick's hotel room, he faces a killer with a gun who says... I said I was going to get rid of you, and I am. So... Oh! oh you had a gun all the time under the bedclothes. Sorry, Mac. I tried to warn you. Nick! Nick, are you all right? I'm okay, Patsy. But our friend here is a bullet in his arm. Come on in. The girl down a shorthand, Nick. The microphone picked up every you word mean he said. This was a trap? You bet it was. See, I expected you to come for that cartridge clip. If my gun hadn't jammed... It didn't jam. I took all the bullets out of it when I examined it out at the farmhouse today. But I couldn't be sure you hadn't discovered that and reloaded it, so I had to shoot first. What's the matter in there? Who fired that gun? What's going on? Everything's under control. Call the chief of police, will you? Sure, Mr. Carter, sure. I'll get him here in two shakes. Where's your proof, Carter? My fingerprints aren't on the cartridge clip anymore. Your confession before two witnesses is proof enough, McEwen. And as for those fingerprints, I was bluffing you. Why, you So far as I know, there weren't any prints on that clip. Nick, how did you know Wayne McEwen killed his sister and Sam Webb? Well, I was pretty sure of it from the moment we found out how McEwen's sister was killed. Oh, you mean the dry ice and the heater of a car? Yes, Patsy. The killer would know that an autopsy would reveal absolutely nothing. He'd be anxious to have one performed in order to build up his own innocence. Sure he would, and Mac was the one who wanted it. Well, that's right. Bolton only threw suspicion on himself by opposing it. A guilty man would never have done that. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, every bit of evidence we had against Bolton came directly from McEwen. Uh, a chief, did you find out why he killed his sister? Yeah, he told us all about it at the jailhouse. Seems his bridge-building business ain't been so good these last few years, so McEwen drummed up a sideline of getting married and then killing off his wives for their insurance. Oh, then he was the one Mrs. Bolton was talking about just before she died. Right, Patsy. Yeah, but how'd she ever find out about this? McEwen says she was cleaning up his room the day before she was killed, and she came across some of his private papers that he'd forgotten to put away. Uh-huh. She didn't know he'd been married at all, so when she found a marriage certificate, she got curious. Oh. And what she found in the rest of the stuff gave her a pretty good idea of what'd been going on. Then that night she accused him of killing the two girls, and he admitted it. 
When I asked her what she was going to do about it, she said she hadn't made up her mind. Well, if I'd been in her place, I'd have turned him over to the police. Oh, she wanted to, Miss Bowen, but he was her only brother, and she couldn't quite make up her mind to do it. But mm. Mac didn't dare to take any chances. So, he killed her. Yeah, he was pretty clever about it, too. He almost got away with it. Yeah, but when he killed Sam, he outsmarted himself. Well, you know the old saying, Nick. Give a killer enough rope, and he'll hang himself. So he will, Patsy. So he will. Every time. Well, Nick, that's the last of them. Okay, Patsy, that's all for now. You better go home and change. Remember, we're meeting Bill and his wife at 7.30 for dinner. Well, how about after dinner? I want to know how to dress. Well, Bill said something about taking in an amusement park and ending up with a boat ride on the river in the morning. Oh, hold on. Take it easy, Carter. Hey, for heaven's sake, Patsy. Oh, amusement park, boat rides, redheads, penicillin. Okay, I get it. I don't want to end up at the bottom of the river just because the ticket seller was a beautiful redhead who posed as a mom. Hey, hold on, Patsy. Let's tell about that adventure next week. We'll call it The Case of the Purloin Penicillin. Ladies, have you discovered Delrich margarine? Delicious rich Delrich makes friends at first taste. Full flavored, it's the perfect spread for bread, rolls, toast. Try Delrich in your cooking and baking, too. Mighty good, mighty economical. Only Delrich gives you the original easy color pack, the easy modern way to color margarine. And where state laws permit, ask for Delrich in golden yellow quarters. Delrich, America's new favorite. Dell for delicious, rich for rich full flavor. Get Delrich margarine tomorrow, for Delrich makes friends at first taste. Nick Carter, Master Detective, is presented each week at this same time by the Cudahy Packing Company. It is produced and directed by Jock McGregor and is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. Lon Clark is starred as Nick and Charlotte Manson is featured as Patsy. Today's script was written by Jim Parsons with original music played by Henry Silburn. This program is fictional and any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. This is Michael Fitzmaurice saying, when minutes count, use new, wonderful old Dutch cleanser. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. And that's Nick Carter, Master Detective, from September 18th, 1949, with a case of The Vanishing Weapon, starring Lon Clark. That was heard on Mutual, originally sponsored by Old Dutch Cleanser and Del Rich, uh, Del Rich Margarine. Is there Del Rich Margarine? I've anymore? never heard of that. No, I don't think so. Uh, Charlotte Manson there is Patsy Bowen on a very good detective adventure. I like Nick Carter, Master Detective, and I do want to see those Walter Pigeon movies. You could probably work something you to, out. I, you know, you could probably go to YouTube. Probably. They, I mean, pretty much everything that I've always you know I wanted to watch, they have it 
you know, like what, old, what else do you watch on YouTube? Well, old movies and things. <laughs> you go, you can go to, uh, you can go to YouTube and see like a Boston Blackie movie yep. and things like that. Of course, when I want to watch classic television, there's only one place to go: Antenna TV. That's right, Antenna sure. TV, because they have all the great TV shows. You know, I noticed on Antenna TV they are having a That Girl marathon oh, on February fourteenth. That Girl for Valentine's Day, really? and I am psyched. Well, I, love, I was a big fan. Love that girl. Uh, all right. Um, don't forget, folks, we have a classic radio club. And this is what's really great about the club. I choose 10 shows each and every month. And I take special pride in choosing 10 remarkable shows that I send to you as a uh, classic radio club uh, member. When you join the club, you will get 10 shows that I hand choose out of my library of over 100,000 shows. And I write about the show. I write about the series, so we send those to you in a PDF form, and you'll get the uh, 10 shows either on digital download links or in uh, a collector case with five CDs, so two shows on each CD. And it's all there at ClassicRadioClub.com. Join the club. We have hundreds and hundreds of members. We would love for you to try it out. So not only do we have a classic radio club that you can try out, we're having a classic radio cruise that oh. you could try out as well. Well, let's go to break, come back and talk yep. about the cruise. Sounds we'll be good. right back. All right, Lisa, you've piqued my interest. There's a classic radio cruise coming up. We are having a classic radio cruise. This is the first one we've ever done. Yeah, it's true. So this is sort of our voyage cruise. Um, and if you love classic radio and you like to travel, I think this is our the perfect thing. Voyage. Our maiden voyage. That's what I meant. What did I say? You said our voyage cruise. <laughs> it's our maiden, it's our maiden voyage. voyage. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> All right. So we're going So when? we're going to Bermuda, August yeah. 1st of 2020 on Oceana Cruise man, Line. It's coming up. Oceana is a very luxurious cruise line because we know how to do it right. So not only are we going to focus- Most of the time. We pretty much do. We're going to have a classic radio cruise. What that means to you is we are going to do a lot of classic radio on there. We're going to have- Trivia contests, and we're going to have reenactments, and we're going to what are we going to do, Carl? Well, we're going to have a cocktail party. Yeah, but the reenactment's going to be really cool because we're going to do some reenactments of classic radio shows, and you can be in them, you can uh, star in them. That's right. Yeah. So not only are we going to talk classic radio and hang out at the pool and at the casino and the lounge, but we're also going to explore Bermuda, and we're going to two islands in Bermuda, and we're also going to enjoy the amenities of the ship. There'll be entertainment and one wonderful food and a spa and casino and it's going to be a wonderful seven days at sea yeah so we hope that you'll join us we have a really special rate for this classic radio cruise we're working with a travel agency called keen luxury travel i'll give you their phone number that's really the best way to get information about yeah the because cruise. then you can ask all kinds of questions and, and things. we really so hope write this that number you'll join down us. write this uh toll-free number down or you could just memorize it no okay 800-856-11 55. That's 800-856-1155. We hope you'll join us for an exciting Bermuda getaway on Oceana Cruises, August 1st of 2020. Now, let me just say this, Lisa. This is our, as you say, our maiden voyage, right? <laughs> yeah, or whatever I But said. I'm going to tell you right now, if you bark too many orders at me, like go get me a pina colada mm-hmm. and do this and do that, right. this is going to be the only one we go on. Why would Won't, I bark at you? You're, because I can just see her. What are you trying to say? I can say? just see her going, hey. Go get me a pina colada, and hey, go... Is, is that how I talk to you generally? 
Pretty much. I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't I could think just so. see her with her floppy hat in her, you know, covered up completely because she doesn't want any sun on her. Well, that's true. But let me just be clear. If I was the one barking orders at you, I would not be your co-host. And that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then maybe we will have another one next year, too. I think we'll too. be okay. Okay. But folks, don't miss it. You're going to probably take a, a vacation anyway this year. Come with us to Bermuda. And if you uh, forgot the number, just go to our website, WGN Radio Theater. Dot com. Go there and uh, scroll down. There's a banner. Click it. All the information's there, right? Sounds like a great time. All right. What's up next week when we start at 11? We're starting an hour later. Yeah, we're later. starting at 11 o'clock. Next week, we have Our Miss Brooks, The Whistler, Escape, and The Falcon. Nice lineup, Lisa. Thank you. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Ashley Byhan. You are the best. Thanks She's for producing the, the we show. We love her. And uh, thanks to Mike Costella, our executive producer. But most of all, thank you, out there in Radio Land for listening to us. We'll see you next week.